Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. Our yoke is hard and our burden is heavy. We have wandered the world in search of someone to ease our pain. But always, disappointment has been our close companion. One told us there would be peace in our time. But tens of thousands of us were killed in a war that did not end all wars. Others of us believed we would get peace, bread, and land. But our rulers starved us. Our enemies killed us. And the state stole our land. We worked hard in a nation dominated by other tribes. Our reward was to have our wives raped, our children torn in half, and our tribe nearly exterminated. We are the untold millions of Hitler's concentration camps, of Stalin's USSR, of the Southern Sudan, of Vietnam, of all the wars of all times. We are the Americans killed in Guadalcanal, and the Japanese who burned in Hiroshima. We are the British, whose blood seeped into the sand at Dunkirk, and the Germans whose flesh fused with the stone of firebombed Hamburg. Please, please, find a way to stop war and suffering forever. That is a quote from the very creative article titled The Neglected Utopia from the February 1973 Plain Truth. And obviously the author there is personifying many millions of people who have suffered and died over the years thanks to war and violence and abusive rulers. Now, this raises the question, how can we stop such suffering? Is there actually a way to end all world suffering? Humans have tried for a long time to discover utopia, and yet we've fallen so far short. Here's another really colorful, interesting quote, this time from the August 2010 Philadelphia Trumpet, in an article titled, The World Turned Right Side Up. Mr. Philip Nice writes, Human beings have tried every way we could think of to make the world better. In every age, in every iteration, in every cohort, in every style imaginable. We've debated Plato's philosopher kings, Cicero's republic, Moore's commonwealth, Augustine's city of God. We've read Locke's treatises on government, 
Hobbes's social contract, Rousseau's principles of politics. Christians believe in some form of it. So do Jews, Muslims, and others. For millennia, we tried to find paradise lost, sail to the new island utopia, get back into the Garden of Eden. We've looked for a natural Shangri-La on the lost horizon, or we've dreamed of a world where everything is achievable through technology, as one recent movie character said. We put it to the test. In Germany, the United States, Canada, Israel, Russia, and would-be paradises beyond, we've taken the bold step of putting it into action. It's been totalitarian and anarchist, communist and capitalist, natural and industrial, classless and classified, religious and atheist, multicultural and monocultural, technological and ecological, open and closed, restricted and free, fictional and real. It failed. 100% of the attempts, 100% of the time, untopia. Anything but utopia. Isn't that right? Everywhere you could look, in every nation on earth, in every period of human history, every attempt at utopia has failed. It's not for lack of trying. It's not because we haven't tried enough ideas yet. It's because human beings cannot make it happen. There is just simply no way human beings could bring utopia. Now, the one way utopia could happen would require doing it God's way. But that will not be a project of human beings. God will be in charge of that one. Jesus Christ will be the king and the Lord over that utopia. And he will be assisted by many other gods. But just think about even how that would have to work. It will be utopia based on God's law. It will be God's perfect government comprised of loving, compassionate, just, fair, merciful, spirit beings, God beings. Those will be all the government officials in the world tomorrow. God beings who will not ever abuse the people. And then the law that these God beings enforce will be the Ten Commandments and all the other laws of God. But how difficult will that be? Just think of the billions of people on earth today. Billions of people will have to be taught God's law they will have to consent to obeying it. And eventually, the law will have to be obeyed perfectly, thanks to the perfect supervision of the God beings in charge. 
God beings who can stop a crime before it happens, before a store gets robbed, before a person gets mugged, before a child gets abducted. A God being will have to step in and stop it. And then correct and teach and train some more until hopefully people will make a better decision the next time. Think about how hard it is just to enforce the Ten Commandments in your own life. Think about how often we human beings sin as we try to just uphold God's law in our own individual lives. And yet in utopia, in the world tomorrow, all the billions of humans will have to keep the law perfectly or at least be on that track and at least be <laughs> corrected by God beings who can stop the crimes before they start. It would be a huge revolution on earth if even one commandment was kept correctly. If humans actually held themselves accountable for keeping just one of the Ten Commandments. This is an article from the October 2008 Philadelphia Trumpet. The Secret Formula for Utopia by Mr. Ryan Malone. And he says, let's make the image practical. What about a world in which no one ever stole anything? How drastically that would affect every aspect of our lives. Think of all that exists because of thievery around us. Think of all the safes, keys, vaults, combination locks. Think of the security systems many have in their homes or the anti-theft devices in most modern cars. All these would be totally unnecessary. Imagine shopping and not being under the eye of a security camera, not walking out past a sensor that detects shoplifters. There would be no more shoplifting. Imagine walking down a crowded street or in an airport terminal, not worried about someone ripping your purse off your arm or picking your pocket. Take it further. What if everyone honored even the intent of this no-stealing idea? Instead of the spirit of stealing and greed, each had the spirit of give. People would be generous. No one would try to get money dishonestly by fraud or slick salesmanship. Business practices would be utterly altered. What we have done is envision the world if it were to keep just one of God's Ten Commandments in letter and spirit. So that's the Eighth Commandment, which forbids stealing. If all human beings just kept the Eighth Commandment, the world would be shifted from living the get way to living the give way. Just the other day, I had a $458 charge on my credit card that I did not recognize. And it seems like these days, that kind of fraud is happening all the time. It seems like a couple times a year, I get some kind of a fraud alert or I have to replace a card. It's so easy for people to steal your information 
after you swipe your card in public. Or if you give your card to to a worker. I mean, all the information's on the card. It's not hard for a worker to write that down, hypothetically. And a lot of people today have no problem with stealing if it helps them get ahead. Even if it ruins someone else's day or someone else's life, people will happily steal just to help themselves. What a world it would be if even one commandment was fully kept. If we just fully kept the eighth commandment. Now you'll notice God's work, God's church today, the Philadelphia Church of God, says all the time that the Ten Commandments would solve all world problems. It really, they really would. Well, we're about to see that happen. We're about to see a world in which all problems are solved by keeping the Ten Commandments. If you keep it in the letter of the law and in the spirit of the law, which means even in your mind, even in the way you think, even in the way you talk, even in the desires of your heart, if you keep the Ten Commandments and everyone around you keeps the Ten Commandments, all crime will disappear. All problems between human beings will go away. And that's a fact. But how exactly will that come about? It's, it's not just this flowery dream of utopia. It will not happen just because we want it to happen. It's hard work. It takes real effort. To bring about utopia. Notice this. This is an article from Philadelphia Church of God Pastor General Gerald Flurry, and it's actually uh, from the Pastor General's report that he sends out each week to all the ministers. But he's talking here about the message that Jesus Christ preached while he was on earth. This message that really would change the entire earth if we just would listen to it and and keep it. Notice Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. That's Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. And Mr. Fleury commented on those verses in this PGR. The kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus Christ began his ministry on earth, this was the first statement he made. What does it mean? Most Christians don't know. When you fully understand this statement, you understand what the kingdom of God is. The reason it was at hand. The true gospel Jesus taught. The difference between false churches and the one true church. What it is that true Christians are doing right now. And how this all leads to new Jerusalem. You see, answering just one question 
What did Christ mean when he said, the kingdom of God is at hand? Answering that one question would really open up an entire vista of spiritual knowledge to us. And it would help us understand what the kingdom is and how it will arrive here on earth. This is something that we talk about a lot. This is the message that God's work delivers today. The good news of the coming kingdom of God. We preach the same message that Christ taught. The true gospel message. And this message is about a literal kingdom about to be set up on earth. It's not about something that is in our hearts or something that we feel. God's kingdom is real and it will be here soon. It's as real as the United States of America or Russia or China or Germany. Just as those are nations, just as there used to be more so kingdoms on earth or empires, God's kingdom will be an empire. It will be a world ruling government enforcing law upon human beings. And its territory, like I said, will be the entire world. Everyone who's on earth will notice that kingdom when it comes. So for us to understand Mark 1 verses 14 and 15, we have to know what Christ actually went through right before he said that the kingdom is at hand. He had just faced off against Satan in the Titanic battle of the ages. That's what Mr. Fleury writes about in this pastor general's report. Quote, what most Christians don't understand is that the temptation Christ had just gone through and his gospel message had to do with two kingdoms and which one would rule the earth, end quote. You see, there are two kingdoms in the spirit realm. One of them is currently ruling earth today. This is a very sick, evil world, which means the bad guys are in charge. Satan, the devil, is the god of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. He has deceived the whole world, even those in professing Christianity. Revelation 12, verse 9. He is the master broadcaster, pumping wrong attitudes, moods, and impulses into human minds, Constantly, Ephesians 2, verse 2, Satan rules. He is the father of murderers and liars. John 8, verse 44. He is king of the earth right now. But when Christ faced off against the devil, when he conquered the devil head to head and overcame the devil's attempts to cause him to sin, Christ qualified to replace Satan as ruler of the earth. Now it's just a matter of time before Satan's kingdom is replaced on earth by God's kingdom. Again, from this Pastor General's 
report, Mr. Flurry writes, Jesus Christ came to a world ruled by Satan. He was tempted by Satan, just as we are. Yet he succeeded and overcame his influence, thus qualifying to replace Satan. The countdown toward New Jerusalem had begun. Immediately after that, Jesus preached the gospel message, the same message that has been preached by his true church for 2,000 years since. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. Now the time was fulfilled. The ruler of that coming kingdom was on earth and had qualified to take over rulership. The kingdom of God is a literal kingdom. Christ will be an actual king over an actual government ruling from a real throne in Jerusalem. The time was fulfilled. Christ had qualified to replace Satan on earth. Now, why was the kingdom of God then at hand if Christ did not establish the kingdom 2,000 years ago? In a 1982 sermon, the late Herbert W. Armstrong, founder of the Worldwide Church of God, said, you're going to have to come to see that the church that means all of you and all of the rest of the church all over this world. The church is the kingdom of God in embryo. Not yet born, not yet developed very far. Only an embryo or a fetus, so to speak. Unborn, but begotten. We are the kingdom of God in embryo. And I don't think we've ever really come to realize that at all. You see... That's why the kingdom was at hand. When Christ came to earth, he also laid the foundation of God's one true church. He called disciples or students to follow him and learn to be teachers. And when those students received God's Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, just right after Christ had died and been resurrected in 31 AD, those teachers became, or those students became teachers. And God's true church began. And like Mr. Armstrong said, God's church is God's kingdom in embryo. God's church today is the beginning of God's kingdom. It's the beginning of the world tomorrow. The kingdom of God is at hand because God's church is on the earth today doing God's work. And everywhere you look where God's work is being done, you see a small type of the world tomorrow. You see it here on campus right now in Edmond, Oklahoma, as we host Summer Educational Program 2023, where these joyful teenagers are learning God's way. They're learning how to keep the Ten Commandments to be happy. They're learning how to keep the health laws so they can be healthy as well. They're learning how to build friendships that will last forever. Even just on this campus in general, the way that we're always building and beautifying 
It is a glorious environment. We have Armstrong Auditorium, God's house, the most beautiful building on earth, not just because of the physical beauty, but because of the spiritual beauty, because God's Holy Spirit flows in God's house and it flows out from God's house. We have another campus over in Edstone, England, just a gorgeous campus. And we work hard, just like utopia will be brought about by hard work. The gods who will rule under Christ in the world tomorrow have to work hard today to be born into God's family and rule in the world tomorrow. We have to work hard today. Utopia is hard work. Mr. Malone wrote an article by that title in the September-October 2012 Royal Vision. He said here, The culture in the millennium will be more a producing culture than a consuming culture. He also said, We will teach that idleness does not bring joy. Rather, activity and service does. Mr. Malone wrote, The millennium is not a 1,000-year rest from labor, rather from Satan's labor. So we will work hard to establish utopia through intense effort. What an awesome vision. God's work today is telling the world about a coming utopia. And we're setting an example of how that utopia will come about. It starts in our lives today, keeping God's law today, so we can teach everyone how to do that in the world tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time 